Hey everybody, this is Alf speaking. Welcome back on the Macro Compass. In a famous interview in May 2020, Powell said that we print money digitally. As a central bank, we have the ability to create money digitally. And he's right, guys. They indeed do that every time they embark in policies that expand their balance sheets, such as QE. But he forgot to mention that what they print is bank reserves, which is money only for commercial banks and not for us, the common people. And these bank reserves don't have legal tender. They can't be used to transact in the real economy. And most importantly, they can never reach the private sector. So if central banks only print digital bank reserves, why do they engage in QE in the first place? And if bank reserves are not money for the private sector, what are they useful for then? And that's what this article will be all about. It's an educational piece on why do central banks do QE in the first place and what can these bank reserves be used for? Central banks do QE in the first place mostly because of the so-called portfolio rebalancing effect. When a central bank performs QE and directly buys bonds from a commercial bank, for example, also if they buy it from another actor, it doesn't really matter, but to make it simple, when they buy it from a commercial bank, what they do is they simply change the composition of the asset side of the balance sheet of the commercial bank, they reduce the amount of bonds the commercial bank owns, and they give them bank reserves instead. But reserves are a suboptimal asset to own for a bank in big size, and we'll show you why. And hence, and what they will do, hence, is they will try to rebalance their portfolio towards riskier bonds. There are three main reasons for that. The first is that regulators have made bonds almost as regulatory friendly as reserves. The second is that these regulatory friendly bonds carry higher yields than bank reserves. So they're more attractive from a return perspective. Number three, bonds can be used to hedge interest rate risk while bank reserves can't. The important bottom line is that while preserving many useful features for a bank, bank reserves in big size are a suboptimal instrument. They are a zero duration, low yielding instrument that basically has become unattractive to own in big size, especially as regulation has become very friendly towards certain bonds. And as basically we will be seeing in our stylized example, when the commercial bank regulatory liquidity portfolio consists of a bunch of inert bank reserves after the QE has swapped their composition from bonds to reserves. And those, re those reserves don't generate much returns. They can't be used to hedge interest rate risk. At that point, commercial banks will be trying to rebalance their portfolios towards a better composition of regulatory friendly bonds and reserves. So what it will mean is that they will try and get rid of some reserves and buy treasuries, mortgage-backed securities, corporate bonds, and even stocks under certain circumstances that are treated in a friendly way by regulation. But wait a second, the central bank is already buying these very same bonds, guys, with QE, right? They, with QE, the central bank goes and buys out treasuries and mortgage-backed securities and corporate bonds. And now we are saying that the commercial bank will be trying to rebalance this portfolio exactly into the same assets. And this is summarizing the virtuous cycle behind the portfolio rebalancing effect. The central bank expand their balance sheet, they buy bonds, they also buy corporate bonds, mortgage-backed securities. The commercial banks are on the forced receiving end of QE, and therefore their portfolio compositions will get skewed forcefully towards more reserves and less bonds. But reserves are suboptimal. 
to own compared to the regulatory friendly bonds. And so they will look to rebalance their portfolios back to bonds to a certain extent. What it means is that they will try to get rid of reserves and they will start buying the very same bonds that QE is buying. Hence, they will suppress volatility further and they will compress credit spreads across the board. Other banks who so far have maybe resisted the temptation to rebalance their portfolios will now have missed the carry party, the return party, right? And, and because volatility has reduced and because credit spreads have compressed, they will try to pile in into exactly the same trade. And then after those, asset allocators and investors across the world will be more and more encouraged to take additional risks, again, because returns across the board are disappearing, credit spreads are compressed, and volatility is compressed too. And everybody will try to be adding risk to their portfolio, supporting the flow of credit and capital. Now, this is why central banks do QE in the first place, to make sure that through this flow of credit and capital, aggregate demand picks up and ultimately inflationary pressures get revived as well. This is the portfolio rebalancing effect explained. But now, what the hell are these bank reserves useful for? I mean, it's time to answer once and for all the top five frequently asked questions on bank reserves. Because as we said, commercial banks are then inundated with these bank reserves. And yes, they will try to do portfolio rebalancing. But what are these reserves useful for in the first place? So question number one, what are bank reserves and who can own or transact with them? Bank reserves can basically be thought of as money for banks. You can own and transact in reserves only if you have a master account at the central bank. If you don't have one, you cannot transact with reserves. And reserves are a liability of the central bank. Therefore, have no legal standard. They are not real economy money. You can't buy bread with reserves. Question number two. Yeah, Alf, but reserves can be lent to the real economy. That's what banks do, right? They lend reserves. Answer, no. Banks don't lend reserves. Every time they lend, banks create money out of thin air. They credit your bank account with money that doesn't exist. It gets created by banks, and they do not use reserves in the process. Question number three. Yeah, but if I withdraw cash from an ATM machine, then I'm turning reserves into real economy money, and I can spend those, right? No. When you withdraw cash from an ATM, what you're doing is you're converting your digital existing bank deposits that are already there into bills. So you're transforming an existing form of real economy money, your bank deposit, into another form of real economy money, cash, that has nothing to do with turning reserves into spendable money. Question number four, what are the usual activities that banks carry with reserves then? Well, the answer is that they mostly settle payments against each other. You have to think as reserves as basically money for the commercial banking system. Question number five, can banks buy bonds or equities or do some other stuff with reserves? And the answer is yes, they can. We already discussed the reallocation of reserves into treasuries, corporate bonds, or even stocks. And that's what we define to be as the portfolio rebalancing effect. Banks can also lend reserves, for instance, in the repo market or in the FX swaps market. Now, I hope I've clarified why central banks embark in QE. One of the main reasons is the existence of the portfolio rebalancing effect. And I also hope that now you're knowledge on what bank reserves can and can't do is clearer than it was before. This is all for today. Thanks for listening all the way through. Last but not least, if you're interested in partnership, sponsorship, you want some consulting services, feel free to reach out at themacrocompass at gmail.com. Please, guys, if you like my work, also click on the like button and share the article around so we can help spread the word about the Macro Compass. Thank you all, and I'll talk to you next week.